This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it is day two of CBC's Canada Reads Competition 2022, and we are really excited. Uh, Tara and I are really happy to invite or to have with us today, I should say, Jolene, who is Bookworm Adventure Girl on Instagram as well as YouTube. And this is a woman who produces more videos. I don't know how she does it because I'm retired and she's working full time. I don't know how she does it. But anyway, Jolene, welcome to our program this evening. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Great. So what we're going to do today, it was a wild day. I think there were some things that sort of surprised me, but our question that we're going to questions that we're going to talk about tonight uh, are, what do you think of the criticisms that were made about the remaining four books and how do you think their defenders handled the criticisms? And we will start with and go in the order they did on the panel today, which is starting with Washington Black. So Tara, we're going to let you kick us off. Okay. Uh, well, you, I think basically the main critique right off the bat came from Tarek. Like he was, he, no holds barred. I think he called it artless, boring, disjointed, and that it was not vivid in description. Like Mark, I totally disagreed with everything <laughs> Tarek said. Like, good for him. Like, he was holding, I appreciated what he was doing. He was going for it, but I think he was wrong. Mark obviously thought he was wrong. And I think after the initial surprise, he handled it like the pro that I know he, that I knew he was when it came to defending his book. He just laid it out there. Yeah. Was your mouth yeah. hanging open when he said all those things? Because mine was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I loved the moment actually when Mark thought that he first, that Tarek first called it heartless. Yeah. And then he was like, no, no, artless. And then Ali was like, well, I think that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, it's funny because for me, that surprise, do you want to talk about anybody else besides uh, Ter uh, Tarek's, do you want to say anything about Christian or Malia I think my other one that I wrote notes that I have written down here were Christian that he wanted a happy ending. And I was like, uh, I don't know if there, you can have a happy ending in that book. You can have like it. Cause Mark described it as a journey of the self. You can have the journey and the, how can you also have an ending when he was only 18 at the end of the book or something. Right. Mm -hmm. So I also thought that was an odd criticism of the book because I don't think you can have a happy ending. It continues. It's a journey itself, the book. Yeah. For me, yeah, I think I, I just thought, you know, Tarek is such a lovely man and he has such a beautiful heart and everything. I've watched his TED Talks. I interviewed him. He just he just exudes compassion and kindness. So I really totally 100% think that that was strategic. I think he was trying to just take a good stab at Washington Black, because I think maybe in his mind, that was, Mark was an incredible debater. And I think that's what he was trying to do was just go for the throat and try to just hit him with it. So I, cause I just can't believe he really truly meant all of those things. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was, it's just strategic and competitive. And the thing that Christian said that kind of, 
I, I thought about this in a different way. He said, yeah, the, the whole, you know, this whole buildup to getting to Titch and then he didn't get, Titch didn't give Wash an answer. And I said, I know, but if you think about it, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Everybody was there to help Dorothy, right? But at the end of the day, it was Dorothy's, she had the power all along, right? She was supposed to tap her shoes together to get home. And so even though there were all these other characters that were supposed to be pivotal to help her get home, it was within herself all along. So I sort of feel like that's how I would have answered that uh, criticism from Christian. Yeah. Yeah, well, well like you, uh, Rebecca, I, I absolutely think it was strategic and um, and good on him. Like he was gunning, Tarek was gunning for for Washington Black, as well as Mark was gunning for what strange period. Yeah. <laughs> so the two of them, and I think, you know, they, they both, um, I think they recognized that in each other. And so they kind of saw each other as their strongest competition. And so that's what you do, right? So I actually... Um, even though, yeah, I didn't agree. Same as you, Tara. I didn't agree with what he was saying. Um, and yeah, my mouth definitely dropped um, when, when he said what he said. But I understood why he was saying it. Um, and I think that like I've been really impressed by Mark. I, I think he's you know one of the best defenders that I've ever seen on Canada Reads. Period. Let alone you know this uh, this debate this year. But um, I thought he handled it well. Like he, he didn't get, he didn't take it personally. He went back to the book. And I think that that's really important to say, but what about these things in the book, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've really appreciated that as well. And the uh, Christian's comment about it being um, uh, about the ending. You know, I was watching JL Richardson earlier today, and she made some very good points about, you know, we want a book to be a certain way, but that is not the writer's job to make the book the way we want. Mm-hmm. Right? She didn't say it quite that way. She said it much more eloquently. But basically, like, you know, people have been saying, we wanted a different ending, we wanted there to be hope, we wanted all of these things. But that is not the story that the writer is telling. So our job as the reader is to wonder is to ask ourselves why we want those things and why we felt uncomfortable with it. And I think maybe that that's not um, the best, uh, not a defense, but maybe that's not the best critique, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, to say, well, this is what I wanted from it and it didn't have it. It's to talk about what is there and yeah. what was good and what was bad in what is actually there. I think that would be a stronger case which I think is for the most part what Mark is doing, except that he talked about, you know, no hope in the the one book, but we'll get there. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I did like that uh, Mark's response to the, um, the ending was that you life doesn't wrap up, which I guess was kind of what it, but he said it much more, much better than I did that you can't have an ending when it's life is continuing. Right. So I thought that was a great defense that he had for the ending too. Yeah. And it's funny too, because if I had a choice, in fact, I asked, answered a quiz recently where it said, do you like a neatly tied up ending or an open ending? And I'm going to take an open ending every time because I I want to, it's kind of like small game hunting that when we talked to the defender, uh, or a couple, what is he, a couple years ago now, last year, I don't remember actually, but 
you know, she even said, I told her, I said, well, this is how I thought it ended. And then she said, isn't that interesting? That's, you know, that's how she either did or didn't at the beginning, or I don't remember exactly. But the point is, I want an ending that maybe I, as the reader, get to decide what I need, right? Whether it's hope or despair, <laughs> whatever yeah. I need or want at the end, I'm going to see that because we were talking, Tara and I were talking too, that, you know, people were saying that Washington Black ended where he goes off on his own. And I went, what? Wait, you know, and I went back and reread it and we, she and I discussed it and it's like, no, I, I don't think that's what happened. But I do, again, it's, a, I just never thought it was an open ending. I sort of felt like, no, he, this is what happened to Wash after this. So anyway, it's just kind of interesting. So I, I agree. I don't, I don't like a nice tight little bow on the end for me personally. So, okay. So let us move to five little Indians. And let's see, I was just kind of looking over the critiques and Tarek said he didn't really lose himself in the book. And and Malia and actually Suzanne just really never had a criticism. I I re-listened to it and I thought she actually never really had a criticism. And Malia said that some of the characters weren't really fleshed out. And Mark said the setting wasn't really described and the characters were not necessarily defined which again, I didn't agree with any of that. I thought the characters were very fleshed out. The one thing also that Mark said was that they were too likable. And I thought, I, again, I think it, it's it's about the competition, right? But I didn't even think that was a valid criticism because I think they were all human. If they had, if you, you know, people had gone through this trauma and they came out of it and they were living their lives and some things were good and some things weren't so good, but I didn't, I didn't think any of those criticisms were valid. So I'm just going to leave it there because I think they're going after what I think is potentially the winner. Yeah. That's how I feel now. Cause I think Christian is kicking ass. I, I, I mean, is. I, he has this really gentle way about him, but he is very firm in what he's saying and he's very clear about it. And he's been my biggest surprise of the competition so far. Yeah, I think it's very obvious that Christian is gunning for um, Malia, like not for Malia herself, yeah. but for Scarborough, and um, and I think that those are like the two more well, especially now with only three of them left. But um, the thing that Malia said, she said something about um, uh, that she the, the her criticism with that book was that she wanted to like she said she reads for escapism, and that mm. she wanted to escape. the escape and I thought that was really interesting and I thought but that's if I was Christian uh the person not the faith if I was Christian I would have said you know like that's the whole point of the book you can't escape from this and neither can they you know my response would have been to to kind of go right back to her and be Mm -hmm. like that's the whole point that's what makes it a great book is that these people haven't been able to escape from what they've been trying to escape from. Even when they escaped the, you know, the residential schools, they actually did not escape from anything and they're still in it. That's the whole point. And as a reader in that book, you're in it, you know? So I was kind of hoping for a little bit more pushback on that and that. And instead, you know, I think the two of them are kind of going, well, your characters aren't well-developed. Well, your characters aren't well-developed. Well, <laughs> and I was kind of like, no, you could go deeper here. You could really make a case so, I mean, it was still fine, but I thought it could have been a little bit stronger. Um, yeah. 
That Yeah, that's a really good point. I like what you just said. That's actually, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't either because I kind of had the same, once you describe that, uh, Jolene, I kind of had the same reading experience. Uh, like I remember when I started the book, the first, I can't remember exactly the number of chapters. I'm going to say the first five or six that had to do with a lot with Maisie and Maisie's story. Okay. I remember thinking, I don't know if I can get past this. Like, you know, I don't know if I can get through this book and that I was going to need like a lighter read to read at the same time. And generally I'm a one book person at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, But you read it and you get through it, you know, which is kind of what the characters are doing. You're right. It's, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's not an easy read, for sure. It's a, it's a tough no. topic. But the thing is, going into this competition, they're all tough, right? Like, this is the first year um, that I think they've done uh, trigger warnings. Even though there's been books yeah. in the past that have had some heavy topics. Um, and Ali talked about that when uh, we were interviewing him, you know, saying that they're all heavy topics. And so these aren't going to be light, fluffy reads with a nice, you know, bow at the end and happily ever yeah. after kind of things. And I think going into a competition like this, to take it seriously, you need books that have that kind of meat. And yeah, um, yeah so I, I think there's still, I think there's still opportunity though for there to be deeper discussion ar- around those, you know, in tomorrow's debates. So, yeah, I, I thought though, Christian, each critique, he faced each one and handled it really well. Cause I, like you said, Tarek was that he didn't lose himself. And then Christian was like, well, you're not supposed to. It's not meant to be a transportive reading. Like, you're not supposed to lose yourself in it. And with Malia, with her, with the hopelessness, then he gave examples of hopefulness. Even if it was just that a character bought a house or had a dog. You know what I mean? Like, it's... And as for Mark, he, yeah, mentioned the setting, that he the setting didn't stick with him. I would argue that my self with him because I have images stuck in my head of where they were in East Vancouver and I have never been in Vancouver oh interesting and and Suzanne who you know she was very strong about how yeah how much she felt that she was there and she knew what they were talking about and things so I was kind of surprised that that was a critique actually and uh, that she kind of gave that a bit of a boost because I thought she she just talked about how well she knew the area and what that was like and how she felt like she was in the place so yeah you know I, I actually have Suzanne written down in my <laughs> notes as uh, five little Indians a second defender because she was like I don't think she had a critique for it she was just yeah and I loved her description of her reading process for it it was yeah so I have her as like she is up there with Christian if he missed something she popped right in there and got it covered it so she did. I was actually very impressed with Suzanne today. Like I know she no longer yeah. has a book to defend, but I actually was more impressed with her today than yesterday. I, yeah, I want to agree with that because I thought she was so eloquent and I thought that the, she went really dug deep for the things she wanted to say about each book. And I love that she did say what she liked, you know, really loved about the books mm-hmm. and then did throw in some, you know, some minor, really minor criticisms of them. So I think she did a super job. But the one thing I want to go back to about the the setting, you know, I've lived in large cities like Los Angeles, Bay Area, et cetera. And for me, I did not, setting for me was not an issue at all because I felt like I knew that setting. I worked with um, people who are houseless for many, many years and every day, you know, had 
situations that we had to kind of work through. So I really felt that that setting to me, even though I've never been to East Vancouver, it, it really resonated with me. So I felt it was very familiar to me. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are we ready to move on to Scarborough? Yeah, I think we All are. Right, let's do it. Um, so so a lot of the criticisms for Scarborough were around, you know, the characters either not being w- well developed uh, or developed enough, I guess I should say. Um, and also, um, I, th- I forget who it was that said it, but said like at one point, you know, there's like all of a sudden eight or nine characters kind of thrown in and, um, which, you know, uh, Malia did say like, yeah, she said that that was true. <laughs> and, um, so I thought that that was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting that Christian, um, made the comparison between five little Indians and Scarborough saying that, you know, both books are kind of a magnifying glass on a, on these characters on a place in this community and then um and and then you know had his had his own critiques um and i actually thought that uh, malia did a great job this today I, I i again i liked her better today than yesterday she had some good responses to the criticism um but you know i I actually liked, and oh, the other criticism that I wanted to mention to you, sorry, I forgot about this one. And this is the one that kind of piqued my, uh, piqued my curiosity today was when they were talking about um, the manager or supervisor and that, that the emails back and forth didn't seem real. And again, my critique for this, and I just kept thinking the critiques could be just a little bit stronger um, was, you know, that's kind of the whole point of like, I loved the structure of this book. It's one of the reasons that I rated it so high. I thought it was so well done. Um, And that whole thing about, you know, trying to get food for these young people and the person who is not even there, doesn't even know these people, right? To them, there are people on a piece of paper that are making them money. And so why should we be spending the money that we could make, you know, to feed them kind of thing. And so I'll just send you this email and tell you all of these things. They're so far removed from it. And mm-hmm. that's why it seemed so real to me because I have been in circumstances where that has been the case. You know, you're trying so hard in the front line to do your job and to help people, but the people higher up, the people who don't have contact with these people all the time have no clue what that is like and aren't actually helping. And I thought it was so real. And I thought the way that that was brought into the story was fantastic. And, you know, I don't know, Malia might not have those kind of um, life experiences yet. I don't know. Um, But I just thought that that was an opportunity to be like, actually, this is pretty real. And this is what I think they're what they're showing instead, you know, instead of just, I felt with this one, it was a lot like the characters aren't well developed and they were kind of going back and forth, which, yeah. you know, there might be some truth to that. I don't know. I, I didn't feel that. I, I, I really enjoyed this book and I loved the characters. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I kind of agreed with the critique about the underdeveloped characters and even more so that there were sometimes too many that I, and they brief just so briefly appeared that I didn't really get a sense of them. So overall, I agreed with the critique, except when it came, although with Miss Hina, I loved her. Yeah. I thought she was, she was my favorite character. Mm-hmm. And I did appreciate the email scenario that was set up for the reason that you said, Jolene. So I think their critique of the email supervisor was unwarranted because the email automatically puts her at a distance from the story. 
So, you know, like how can you, there would be no character development for that right. character anyways, because of the distance that's automatically involved. So um, that one I thought was unwarranted. And then I thought uh, Malia did a good job. She brought it all back around to community, which is what her book hinges on. And then she did bring up the character of Corey. I think she said Mark brought up Corey, but she proved her point because if you, um, Catherine Hernandez can make you feel empathy for a character like Corey, then she actually has done something to develop the character, right? Like if he was very two dimensional, I would not know his story and I would not have any empathy for him as a father. I didn't like him. But I had a sense for his background and what brought him to where he is at that moment. So I thought Malia did a good job for that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say she really impressed me today because yesterday, like I had said um, in our podcast yesterday, I felt like she kind of said the same thing a few times and there wasn't a lot of necessarily sort of insight that I was looking for. First day is always difficult anyway, but I thought she was the the weakest link a little bit. But today I thought she was stellar. Like Mm -hmm. her statement that she wrote out, all of her responses to the critiques were really amazing. I thought what she said about the other books was really strong. So she really impressed me today. So good on her. And interestingly, uh, Tarek said... He said it was clunky writing, which I don't agree with. And again, I think he was just being strategic, honestly. Um, And then he said, and I tried, no one questioned him. And I thought, did I hear what I thought I heard? He said the pace, I thought he said was atrocious. But then I thought, I I can't imagine if he meant that word. Did he mean that word, do you think? I heard that too. That's what I heard. uh, Okay. Yeah. So again, I think it's just being strategic. So I, I, uh, and then nobody brought it up. So I thought, okay, well, I thought that's what I heard, but that was a little weird. But the other thing, so I agree uh, about the characters because I had said after yesterday when Christian made that comment the first time, that's when I said, oh, that is what hit me about that book, which I couldn't put my finger on because I loved it. I gave it five stars. Absolutely loved the book. However, I had to keep going back and looking up the characters' names and go, wait a minute, who is this person again? And for some reason, I couldn't keep it straight. And I was like, what? I don't, like, why am I having trouble with this book? I don't get it. So that is for me, that was a little bit kind of oddly difficult for me for some bizarre reason. But here's the thing that no one has talked about. And I know I read it. <laughs> so I just don't know why no one else has said this. But what I loved that Catherine did, the author, is that it wasn't just, what was it, Corey? Is that the, the dad's name who was a horrible racist yes. and like a white supremacist? If there were other times in the book when one person of a different uh, identity than someone else actually showed their own, like they were believing the stereotype of the other person. So in other words, it wasn't just one person that, or one type of people that were being targeted as being the the racists or the bad people. Everybody, I think I thought what she showed was that no matter who we are, when we live together in diversity, somebody might have a prejudice about, or an, or a perception of someone else that's un, untrue, but it all plays out. Do you guys remember that at all in the book? Cause I, cause I swear I'm going to go back and highlight those sections. Yeah, when you talk about it, like, vaguely, I 
I don't think I would have been able to pinpoint that right now and say this happened, but. Yeah. And I can't even remember like who the people were, because I think they were really side characters. But when she did it, I thought, wow. And that's, I even put that on my Instagram post about the book was that she really showed in a very subtle way that we all bring, you know, our stereotypes of other people or other cultures or whatever. It's just that Corey was the biggest example of it, right? He was the really the one that was in your face. Right. So I swear I'm going to go back and look in that book and highlight it and then show it to everybody. <laughs> the idea being that the others are, are mostly, it's more subtle. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, it still shows though that in other words, and I, I know this is going to sound horrible when I say it, and I don't mean it the way it's going to come out, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's not just because he was a white supremacist that he was the only one who had horrible perceptions of other people. Like, I think somebody, I think there were families that didn't like that he, Miss Hina wore like a hijab or something. You know what I mean? Yes. And there yeah. was that little hint of it where you go like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's who she is. That's her identity. That's her culture, et cetera. But it was done in a way that was just so light that I thought, I love that she showed that we all carry those things in our heads sometimes, right? We all have our issues. Um, no matter who we are, we might have some of those types of issues. I got that out of the book, but no one's ever mentioned it. So I swear I'm going to go back like, is it and find it and point it out. <laughs> it would be great yeah. if they, if uh, that is used as we get, you know, tomorrow or the next day to make a very strong case. Is this the book that had the young guy that was also the artist, the graffiti artist mm -hmm. in it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see why you're, where you're coming from. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah. Yeah, they were stereotyping him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a, an example of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I loved his story, which was only a small, very small part of the uh, book. And it was at the beginning when you heard his story. But I loved that. His, I loved his story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was yeah. the graffiti artist that, yeah, and lost his scholarship and everything. And there were also really minor characters that may have only been mentioned one time, but again, they were putting their stereotype of somebody else out there. Like you heard their voice in a way. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm saying. They were, it was very subtle, but I thought she made that point overall, which I, that's what, to me, that's what I love most about the book was that she was really saying, we all have to get our act together. Right. Like we can't yeah. keep looking at each other and judging each other. That was kind of what I yeah. got out of it. So, okay. Yep. Oh, good point. Okay. okay. Uh oh. I feel yeah, really I bad know. that I feel really bad that Tara has to kick this off now. Uh, Jolene, I don't know. This was my book of choice. This was, was the one I was really going for. <laughs> but um, I, I was it this morning, Rebecca, or was no last night after we finished talking? You asked me who I thought, and I, I did tell her I think that what I thought what Strange Paradise was going to be voted out today. So I was a little prepared for it because Mark was targeting it. He put it out there yesterday and I was like, oh, damn, like he's going for it. And um, uh, yeah, so the I found their main critique, especially that of Mark's, was that it was not hopeful and the ambiguous ending. Tarek did not defend it well. Right. And if he was, uh, what he should have done is brought it back around to Mark because Mark basically defended him, it himself when he said life doesn't wrap up 
and be comfortable with the mm -hmm. uncomfortable. I'm like, Tarek could have used Mark's words, thrown it back at him, and bam, done. But um, yeah, and then I have a whole bunch of other thoughts on the book, but that's, okay. that's you know, that Tarek could have used. But that was my main one is that Mark set it up for him and he didn't use it. Okay. I want to jump in and, and, and I'm going to give, make Tara go again, because I'm going to make a statement here and okay. I'm going to also have Tara speak about this, but this is a huge spoiler alert. So this cannot be a bigger spoiler alert. And I often wonder if one of the reasons this book is not being defended or discussed very well is because people don't understand some of the things that Omar was trying to do with the book. And so I'm going to 100% spoiler. Okay. So- do Full of Suzanne, because she's been doing it the last two days. Yeah. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. When the book opens, there's there are two quotes. There's one from An, an Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which is a classic American short story by Ambrose Bierce that was written like in the late 1860s, I think. And then there's also a quote from Peter Pan, which I, that's the part I'm going to have Tara talk about in a second. But... The thing about an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, when I was a kid, I think maybe about 12 years old, we had a video in class and the video was a little, maybe five minute video of the short story. And it has been 50 years probably since I've seen that video and I never forgot it. So when I opened that book and saw that quote, I was like, oh my God, like he's an, an Egyptian writer. He's lived all over the world and he's using this Ambrose Beers quote. So I knew it had some significance. Now, like a moron, I kept reading the book and kind of forgot about it until I got to the ending with, with um, Amir. And that's when, then I went, Oh my God, that is why he had that quote at the beginning. Because basically the, the story is based on a um, Southern guy who gets, um, uh, arrested or actually it's probably vigilante and he was going to be hung. And so he's on Owl Creek bridge and they're going to hang him. And in the video and in the short story, what happens is they go to hang him and the rope breaks and he escapes. And all he wants to do is go home to his family. So he takes off running. And of course they're shooting at him and they're trying to catch him and they can't catch him. And you're just like, Oh my God, he's going to make it home. And then all of a sudden the next scene is boom, he's hung. And you're like, oh shit, that was all his, that was his longing. That's what he wanted to have happen. But what happened is he died. So when I got to the end of the book and Amir dies, right? I just went, oh shit. He took that amazing short story and crafted to me in my top five books of my life. He did that, um, took that short story and created this fable to show us, you know, to, I'm not even going to say it eloquently, but basically to, to talk about the, the um, refugee crisis. And I, and especially with what's going on in Ukraine right now, how can we not understand that people have a longing? It's like Tarek said, nobody wants to be a refugee, right? Nobody wakes up one day and goes, gee, I think I'll leave my home and become a refugee. And so I think it's the idea that there's this incredible longing for home and Amir doesn't make it. And then I'll let Tara talk about, because when, when she and I were talking about the book, she's the one that brought up the, the um, Peter Pan quote, which I totally blew past. Yeah. Cause I know I, so I've read the book twice, right. Or maybe just once, but at the first time I read it, 
the ending is ambiguous. And in my head, I'm like, is he alive? Did he survive? I'm like, I'm not really sure. And it had this like mythic quality to me and uh, for me. And I couldn't quite figure out the ending in a satisfactory manner for myself. And then Rebecca, one Sunday morning, I think it was to <laughs> Rebecca, you, e you sent me this message going, oh my God, and told me the story of this quote and everything clicked. And I went, that's the ending. And then I picked up the book and I looked back and I'm like, and the Peter Pan quote, I'm like, it's about the boy who never grows old. And I'm like, Amir is the boy who never grows old. And it broke my heart and <laughs> feel silly. It's doing it right now. Yeah. And um, yeah. And I, I, this is part, I wish that he could have brought out more in the book or in the debates too. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I have to, you know, you're getting emotional and I'm getting emotional because that's exactly how I feel and why this book hit me so hard, like in my gut, because I just thought this was the most amazing, beautifully written. It is completely fable-like because even the point at which Vanna like is running away and then it's like she goes up in the air and you're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. Like she's flying or what is that? But it's like Peter, Pan, she was Wendy. She's Wendy. And I, I just thought he crafted the most amazing fable with these elements. And, and he even said, cause we interviewed him, which was the highlight of my okay. 20, I'm pretty sure it will be the highlight of my 2022, but he, we try, we kind of asked him about the ending because we didn't want to give it away if people hadn't read it yet. And he talked about it. And I just think, you know, he said, pe some people get it and some people don't. And interestingly, Jolene, for you, he said that, um, uh, Margaret Atwood reached out to him and said, yeah. I see what, I see what you did there with that. <laughs> and, for, and, he, and he was so funny because he said, oh my God, like Margaret Atwood, why would she be reading my book? And I thought that was so amazing that he was kind of so humble about it. But that's just it. There will be people who will read it, like he said, who have that background and know that story. But the probably 99% of the population won't know that 1860 something Ambrose Beer's short story, right? Right. But that's why the book yeah. hit me so hard in the heart. Yeah. I loved it. I'm one of the 99% of people had no clue what that was about. Yeah. And I had heard the um, Peter Pan analogy and, and I was like, I, when I read it, I'm like, I don't, I can get into Peter Pan analogy. <laughs> like, what is he, what is he <laughs> talking about? And then it wasn't until I heard your interview with him that I went, well, this sounds pretty important. Like, this is, I should probably yeah. check this out. So I looked into that story a little bit more and I was like, okay, had I known this story before I read this book, I think the book would have had, I liked the book. There was nothing wrong with the book. I, I liked it, but um, it did not have the same impact that it has had on so many people like yourselves who know what he's talking about. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, had I known that, like, I do want to do a reread of it now after I maybe read that short story. and and maybe like look at it through that lens. But yeah, it was totally lost on me. It would not be lost on Margaret Atwood because she's read everything. And yeah. that would totally be something that she would do herself, right? Take a, take a fairy yeah. tale and, and turn it on its head and, uh, and give us a new perspective. So yeah, like the fact that he did that and, and how he did it now that I understand it, I definitely have more of an appreciation. I also am surprised that it did not get brought up because that's the impact. Yeah. You know, and so I don't know if it's just that Tarek doesn't know that story. I would think that in preparation and in con in conversation with uh, Omar, he probably should know the story. But 
But you know what's interesting, though? That's just it. I did a lot of research and looked at a lot of reviews and stuff. And even like, I think, New York Times or whatever, and people didn't bring it up. And I know partly you have to be careful in bringing it up. Otherwise, you're going to give away right. the ending, right? Mm-hmm. And, and also, I think Omar has written it in a way that just because that's what I believe the ending that that he dies doesn't mean that he did because Omar said basically he left it kind of open-ended and that's why he thinks this book will live on a long time because you know it 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 is open to interpretation I I have a different perspective because I knew a little bit but I think I was shocked that I couldn't find any oh and then by the way I just watched a um a Canada Reads sort of mock debate um through a library in Quebec And the woman who um, defended it, it was so funny. They said at the end that people on Zoom could ask a question. And I thought, well, no one's asking this. So I said to her, and she defended it magnificently. She brought up stuff that I hadn't even considered at all. So now I'm like, oh, I totally got to read it. I have to read it again. But my question was, you know, many people don't understand the ending. Do you think that will be a negative in the debates? And she actually said, um, I didn't really understand the ending. And I thought, wow, she, and she's a professor. And I thought, isn't that amazing? Yeah. She's a professor. She defended it so well, but even she didn't get it. So anyway, I just have to, I just, I, when Tara and I were talking about it, I said, I just have to say this out loud so that it's on the record that I feel like people, this book has so much more to it and people aren't necessarily seeing that. And I just felt I had to say something. So. Yeah, and maybe there will be an opportunity tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping that they continue to do what they did today with uh, Suzanne and allow, you know, they allowed her to kind of share a little bit more about her book and why all of Canada should read it. I'm hoping they do the same with Tarek. And be, I think it'd be a, a good thing if he brings something of that into it. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know that, that he will. Okay, well, I apologize to everyone for going long-winded about it, but it's I loved this book as as I loved it after Tara told me how much she loved it, and then I fell in love with it. I just really needed to at some point just get all of that out. I had to say it all, but we are going to end now. But I do want to say that Jolene will be back with us on Thursday, which is awesome because that will be the day that the winner is announced. So um, please make sure to uh, listen to our, you know, to day three and definitely day four with the winner being announced. So thank you very much. And Jolene, we'll see you on Thursday. Thank you very much. It's been great to be with you.